Today's guest is Ivan Zorich. Ivan is a movement mechanic, he's a strength and fitness trainer, and he is the owner of space here in Copenhagen, Thailand, known as Momentum Copenhagen Mixed Movement Arts. I met Ivan here in Thailand, if you do follow my story from episode to episode. Back in March, I had to rush back here during the height of COVID. I came back to Thailand from Africa with my ex-girlfriend to be quarantined in a safer place. And I met Ivan because he hosts Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu classes at his space, along with other kinds of movement classes, which I found fascinating. And about a week before we had this conversation, he gave this kind of impromptu workshop on his training philosophy, which he calls Four Corners, which goes through four stages of development from infancy, toddlerhood, until about uh, seven years old, where you have all the physical tools to move, climb, run, do anything. Which I thought, other than just being uh, really useful strength and mobility principles, intellectually is really fascinating because it mapped a lot to a lot of the things we've been speaking about in different episodes on this podcast in terms of um, the Prometheus rising, uh, first four circuits of uh, neural development, our hero's journey stuff, we're speaking about how the journey that our psyche goes through in order to individuate goes to different stages, which map to different parts of our development, infancy, toddlerhood. Around seven is where our personalities are fully developed, uh, which connected uh, to, you know, what Yvonne was speaking about from a movement perspective, which I thought was very interesting and perhaps a little synchronistic. I'll say it's been about a week and a half at this point since I've been employing these, uh, you know, pretty simple fundamental ideas that Yvonne taught me. And I've already noticed strength gains. I've kind of incorporated as a warm up when I do my kettlebell work. I was already seeing strength gains. I feel a little more mobile. I feel like my joints are a little more robust. That was all great. It was also fascinating hearing how he put uh, together these ideas. And a lot of things clicked for me in this conversation. So I was really grateful to get the time to speak with him. If uh, you do happen to make it out to Thailand and uh, come out to Copenhagen, it's a great little yoga island. But there's also a great strength training opportunities here. You should definitely check out Momentum Panyan. Um, you can check out his YouTube channel, Momentum Panyan on YouTube. You find him on Instagram. All these links will be in the show notes. And any other announcements? Let me see. Um, the archetype class is still available as always. Given that the world is starting to open up and travel is uh, starting to be available, I may still do some in-person trainings, probably in Europe. Um, I don't know if the Camino de Santiago is going to be a part of that. I've been eager to do more things in person since we've all been on Zoom most of this dark period, but um, we'll see. Just just stay in touch. Uh, you can always get all the updates on my email list at ruando.com. I've also um, added the first chapter, the first scene of my book up there. So if you're not on my email list, if you join, you will get the both audio and text version of the first scene of my book. The one great thing about quarantine is that I've been tearing through my book and um, I should, unless something crazy happens, I should finish it this year. So anyway, that's all. Right now you're listening to episode 086, Ivan Zorich, Mixed Movement Arts. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, part of the Gotham Podcast Studio Network in New York, New York. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Yvonne, I've been uh, looking forward to speaking with you about this. Um, we've been training at your place, Momentum Panyan, here in Copanyan. And uh, last week, you showed us um, your foundations of, you call it Four Corners, right? Yes. And uh, I thought it was fascinating. Both, it's been great for me this week on my shoulders. I'll share about that. But uh, the philosophy was intellectually fascinating about going from infancy to, to uprightness. Could you, could you share about that first? Sure, yeah. Um, uh, in terms of movement or, would you say, fitness or health, uh, there was a progressive evolution happening since we were born to the point where we can 
run, run, climb, uh, and uh, this whole idea with uh, the four corners was um, to like really go back, back in time to the to the point where we were like really helpless. We had like this very soft and helpless bodies. We were fully dependent. Uh, on our parents or whoever was taking care of us in our environment, and there was uh, there were clear steps along the way, you know, in your movement education that made you go from you know being this very helpless ball to that kid that can run and climb and do all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, along the way, you have learned some particular mechanisms that uh, we have forgotten about, we took for granted, and as we grow into adults, they're usually lost um, because, you know, we live more uh, of a mental existence. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time sitting and thinking and not so much time moving, but we still live in these vehicles, you know, in these bodies, and they d- deteriorate and fall apart. And uh, sometimes we, if we're lucky, we just do, you know, a sport or... Uh, fitness um, but usually it doesn't really restore um, that movement capacity that we all once had you know? mm-hmm. we, we all came from a time where everything was perfect and then something went wrong and then we started to lose it and uh, yeah the four corners uh, is actually a way to yeah restore restore that uh, the capacity Mm-hmm. And with it, the, the the health. Yeah, and just so for everyone, you start like the first part is basically just using your core with no limbs, right? Yes. Infancy movement. So there is a four major stages, and uh, the first one is where you are, um, you are, you you are heavy, kind of heavy for. For your limbs so your limbs cannot move you right but you can move your limbs you can move uh, like move your arms and legs but they cannot move your mass hmm. and this so, is when up until we can sit upright right this is yeah this for your is first like, six months of life yeah the, i would say the first month or two is mm-hmm. pretty much like that uh, you have this very heavy head that you can barely move and you're really dependent you know and uh, the first thing you develop uh i think i should mention before um that children are guided by curiosity mm-hmm. so they're really guided by um, wanting to know what is around them. So when they're on their backs, the first thing they, they, they do learn is to move their head you know, left and right. And that builds up um, the extension of the spine. So they learn to... Uh, the, the spine is awakened through the neck first. And the stage of posture development has begun. And at some point they are strong enough to actually rotate and roll over onto their bellies um, you know even to get a better view and for the first time they see the world as it is before it was always upside down um, so there's this spine articulation this mechanism of being able to um, create different shapes with the spine that's like the first stage uh, in the child's development and um, yeah, this is the first, what I call the first corner, where we're really learning about articulation of the spine on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know? How I can really, just with the movement of my spine, move in any direction I want, roll over into my belly, like roll over my shoulder. And we take it, of course, a little bit further than, than, than kids have, 
because we are more interested in a holistic movement vocabulary. But still, it's it's part of the basics. Yeah, and it was so fascinating because uh, it's kind of synchronistic. We just did an episode on, the, I don't know if you're familiar, with, um, Timothy Leary's Eight Circuits of Consciousness. No. And the first four circuits are basically how we develop our behavior as infants and then what happens when we stand upright. And when you were teaching this, I was like, this is exactly what we were talking about last week, but now from a movement perspective. Because mm. I was actually um, comparing... When you're an infant, you have the same mechanisms as a worm. Like, we're like very, very primitive. We have our ring muscles, and we're basically a tube. We can't really do anything other than eat and poop. Yeah, yeah. And it was so, so it's really interesting, like, kind of being a snake in this first movement. You're yeah. just moving your spine, yeah. which is really cool, I thought. Yeah, I actually labeled it snake and worm in the beginning, uh-huh. you know, because that's all you really can, you know. You can just, like, roll around or, like, yeah, that's, that's really your only choice. But you become really good at that. And yeah. that actually bind, builds the foundation for everything that follows. Yeah. So the spine needs to be educated on the ground to create certain postures so that later on we can use them when we move into being quadrupeds and then bipeds and then finally you know, standing, running and climbing. Yeah, and I found it I, just in my own... Uh, I've done a lot of strength training and I've got a lot of, many injuries over time. And you, know, you hear all this stuff like Joseph Pilates will say, like, you're only as old as your spine. Ido Portal says that a lot too. Um, and then, like, just movements in jiu-jitsu are all core-based. Yes. But when I was drilling ab work, it was so different than, like, these weird rotating movements and realizing that I can move my entire body with just my core if I, you know, I can notice in certain angles I've never used my core on this angle, but now I can move my whole body. Mm-hmm. And I think it's already improved, like, certain strength movements for me, mm-hmm. just the simple worm <laughs> worm nature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah beautiful. Uh, you know, traditionally in strength training, we... Um, we look at the body as muscle parts, you know. Like we have a very machine-like thinking when we think about body. You know, you have a, you, know, you categorize and you know this type of chain and that type of muscle and so on, and then we train things in isolation, and then later we um, expect it to work very well. You mm-hmm. know? But you can make a lot of mistakes within that because when you train everything in isolation, you never know how much of what you need. Right. So you can overdo one thing and underdo another, and it's you know, part like you know the classic beach muscle uh, approach. You know, you just train the large chest, bicep, abs, quads. You know, and then you forget about everything else. But we were never uh, as kids like growing up. We didn't. This is not how we gain control of our bodies. Mm-hmm. We didn't do exercise something linear that we were drilling. You know. We had a completely different motivation why we wanted to move, you know, and I think that's very important that we uh, go back to that. Yeah, because I, I remember my, the first person who taught me how to lift weights was my friend's dad, and he, he was all isolation, Arnold Schwarzenegger style. Yeah. And he even, I remember he told us, like, you need to work out your rear delt because this is going to get too strong and you're going to have a shoulder injury. Like, he just told us that at 15. You're going to have a shoulder injury. That's just how it is. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I just accepted it. I didn't think that there was another way to train yeah, so many of us do, you know. Uh, again, to this traditional strength training is we have those those king exercises like bench press, deadlift, squats, and so on. Uh, and once you do these exercises, it's quite known in this culture that you need to do corrective exercises. Yeah. Right? So you're already aware of that that exercise will damage something else unless you find another corrective exercise and then you keep you continuously keep fixing yourself. You yeah. Know? So how can we avoid this altogether? 
just look in the animal kingdom you know we we really romanticize animals like uh tigers and lions and how beautiful and strong they look and how they move and they are basically just a product of their own life you know like they live a lion's life and that's why they look like that but i think with us humans it's a bit more complicated because we really moved like we really changed our environment to be as comfortable as possible so we need exercise in some way but i feel like what is out there is still a lot like in the middle ages Mm -hmm. and uh, i think we should uh, there's a lot that we could do to improve that yeah i remember you saying that can you explain what you mean by like you said strength training is in the middle ages yeah um well the thing is that we look at the body we kind of train it as if it was a machine, you know, like just enter the workout and press enter, you know, and you expect a certain result. And uh, when you want to improve a machine, you are just concerned about its capacity, you know, how much, how fast, you know, how flexible, how, you know, it it must be measurable, you know. So progress is if the numbers go up. Mm -hmm. And that's very easy if you, you know, you can track weight, you know, Am am I getting stronger in a certain lift? You know, and if you're if you're just guided by this, then first of all, it will never be enough mm-hmm. because you know what does a 100 kilo bench press mean? You know, when you get it, nothing. You want more. You want 110. You want 120. 130, and you will go until you injure yourself. You yeah, that because there's no end. Like why? Why should you? Why? When is enough enough? Really? And um, yeah, plus we are using um, like we are holding on to. We do synchronized training, yeah, like very uh, balanced, symmetrical movements, you know, where my two limbs, usually my two legs or my two arms are simultaneously performing the same movements. When, you know, when we are grappling, mm-hmm. that's never the case. Yeah. You know? So we are forcing ourselves in a very organized and balanced way of moving. But then when, when actual life or play happens, that's not the case. But we forget that everything we train will be neurally transferred. So if that's the way how you push something really heavy, then every time you're going to push, you will assume that position and you will um, mess yourself up. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten uh, all of my training injuries have come because I set an arbitrary goal. Like I've wanted to deadlift three times my weight for, I don't know, since I was 18. Every time I move towards it, I have some sort of injury. Yeah. And uh, so I'm curious, though. Do you set like fitness goals? Do you work towards something? Because I don't even know how to structure my training if I don't have something I'm trying to achieve. Yeah, uh, I do, and uh, there are certain milestones that um, that you can chase. For example, uh, not that they are necessary, but for example, look at it more this way. Um, in terms of like, I'm talking about again about the four mechanisms. Let's talk about traction. What would be the ultimate? Uh, traction move and that would be that i can pull myself up with one arm so basically doing a one arm chin up because you have to put things into a relation like this arm is capable to move this body entire body will i ever in my life need more strength than that probably not Mm. so i can satisfy myself that that it's not strength that I will be missing if I ever encounter uh, some situation that I'm going to struggle with, you know, because 
this arm alone can already move this whole weight. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm looking more for these type of things because then you can really tell when enough is enough. You know, mm -hmm. unless I'm. But, but then again, if I want to compete in one arm chin ups, then then you know we yeah. get back into the same yeah. with the same game. You know, and we will we were just calling for injuries once again. So I have this type of of goals because you have to remember that. First of all, by nature, you should be able to move your own weight. Mm -hmm. That's like the bare minimum you have to be able to do. Otherwise, you're just burden for everybody else. Um, so just make sure that, that that's possible in all kinds of situations. And all this situation, this is what we explore here at Momentum. You know? There's all kinds of uh, yeah, creative play and uh, motor skills that really unlock all kinds of potential. Yeah. So just to illustrate to everyone, like the, you, you brought us through four drills and instead of reps or movements we're supposed to do, we just had guidelines mm -hmm. and we were supposed to play for like three minutes or five minutes, right? Yeah. Like, um, so like the second one, we had our hands on the ground and our feet on the bench and we just had to see what the body does. Mm -hmm. And uh, is that just how you train typically? Um, so this is what I, this would be my strength and conditioning practice mm -hmm. um, because I'm taking care of the mechanisms and I can really tell by how they feel um, whether I am in a, in, a, in a good state or whether I or I went I became lazier or, or whatnot mm -hmm. because um, these practices ha need to support my my, uh, my my disciplines my main disciplines so uh, yeah I this is this is how I train them. Um, but it's not a program, you know. I, I see the body more as an instrument. Mm -hmm. you know, that Like the same way that you will learn to play the guitar, mm -hmm. this is how to lay, learn to play the body. So you cannot force it into uh, things that are very, very strictly measurable. Mm -hmm. So you should more go into fee how to feel into the body. Uh, but that's a whole, um, you know, it's a whole practice itself. Yeah, can you say more about that? Then, because like I'm trying to think, like mm -hmm. I, I, I get, I buy everything you're saying, but I, when I think of my program and my own training, that's where I kind of like, well, I don't, I mean, if I don't have uh, some sort of scheme of what I do this day, do I just like see how I feel every morning? Like, is that what you do? Um, yeah. So let's, for example, let's uh, let's let's draw a bigger picture. Um, let's look in in. You know, like like basic motor skills for for children are, you know, running, walking, climbing, uh, swimming, balancing, throwing, like very very basic stuff that probably most of us still can do. Mm -hmm. Maybe not with <laughs> with the uh, the same efficiency, and maybe we have more like cracking and clicking noises in our joints, but we're still capable to do them. Um, but I'm more interested in uh, the more impressive movement arts. You know, like. What is really impressive to me, like something like gymnastics, wrestling, BJJ, MMA, all kinds of striking, boxing, whatever, what have you, Muay Thai, uh, capoeira, uh, like things that are like truly complex, where people look at it and it's like, wow, this is uh, that like really takes a lot of practice. Mm -hmm. And then you overlap and look what kind of motor skills all of them have, like what are the things that if you practice those, you will just excel in all the other areas at the mm -hmm. same time. And there's a, so there are certain things that 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 come out uh, that um, that you can filter out. 
And then, funny enough, it's the exact same mechanisms that we that we uh, uh, learn while we're growing up as children. Um, so, when I train, uh, at this point, I, I, feel, I think we, I should say that uh, I see movement more like a, a language. Yeah. So my strength and conditioning practice is kind of just making sure that I know all the letters and know all the words. So when it's playtime, I can be creative in writing. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't have any issues understanding what's going on. Mm -hmm. So the, the four corner practice is basically um, just kind of reminding the body of what are the, the, the letters and, and the words. Yeah. And uh, what are the four corners? Uh, as I said in the beginning, uh, the first one is rolling. So we have a drill where we are laying down on the floor and uh, all four limbs have to be off the ground. So arms and legs and even the head, although I allow the head to touch down sometimes. And then you are allowed to move any way you, you want, you know, and we, we don't count anything, we don't, um, we don't follow any kind of protocols, you are just given a, a time limit, we usually play music, because, you know, once you get into the rhythm, you actually start to play, and you forget that it's work. It's more like dancing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and then you dance to it, but you're only allowed to move within this limitation, and, mm -hmm. and this limitation will actually educate the entire spine to, um, be capable, be competent in in all the disciplines that would will require you to go into the ground. We call them different spheres. So the four corners, all of them bleed into different spheres, which are different playing fields. I can maybe explain later. Um, yeah. The sec. Should, should I go step yeah, by step? Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, so is this, is this clear a little yeah. bit about mm -hmm. uh, the the ground drill? Mm -hmm. Um, then the second, the second drill is the support mechanism, you know, because when we were growing up, we, we learned to, to learn, to walk on our hands and legs. So we were quadrupeds before we were, uh, bipeds, before we could learn two legs, we had to learn how to move on four. And this is the stuff that you see a lot in capoeira, gymnastics, wrestling, mm -hmm. BJJ, like, um, disciplines where we are close to the ground, but we're not rolling all the time. We mm -hmm. are, you know. We need to crawl, in wrestling we shoot, and things like that. And they have an entire vocabulary. And the bench drill that we did, where we place the feet on an elevated surface and the hands on the ground, and again, same format. We, we choose a time frame, and then you, you are kind of moving, going through the sequences as you want, going through the vocabulary. Ideally, you want to go through the vocabulary that is most relevant to your practice. Mm -hmm. yeah? And if you don't know, then... You can just improvise. And funny enough, when people improvise, they come up with the exact vocabulary. You know? yeah. It's almost like they find it themselves. You know? Because I think this is, these are the inherent movement patterns that make us human. You know? Yeah, that was really cool doing that in that, I, I said this to you before, but I noticed where in my shoulder uh, range, I was strong from all the things I've done and that, and then like I could feel a weak spot and it's just like a, like a black spot in my range and I could feel my body's unstable. But that's where I needed, it actually felt good to work that area. Mm -hmm. And um, unlike other kinds of strength training, I didn't feel like, uh, I didn't feel tight like I needed to stretch afterwards because I was moving through the whole range, yes. maybe slowly during the weak spots, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that that's the beauty of it because because you move the way you were designed to, mm -hmm. 
everything is taken care of. You know? Yeah. You you don't run the risk to develop uh, disbalances, you know, because mm-hmm. you're focused only on, on on the front, let's say in the bench drill. If you will naturally turn around, you know, because we are not drilling a muscle group. We dr- we are drilling an entire mechanism. Yeah. Know? And the mechanism will naturally balance itself because. Um, it has two sides, you yeah. know. It also gets boring to do the same thing. Exactly. And I saw someone else do something with his legs. Oh, I'll try that too, yeah. you know. It's like learning words, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And the good thing is, man, people become so creative doing this. Mm. And I learn every day just by observing what people find within, you know, you just set a little limitation and, uh, you know, a lot of interesting things comes up. Yeah. Cool. So you're saying the third... Uh... Uh, yeah, the third uh, corner is the base. You know, this is where we actually stand on our feet, and uh, we have a rooted and an unrooted form of standing. And this is more really about um, educating base in all walks of life, like in all movement situation. You know, if you think again through the lens of sport, every sport has a base. Tennis has a form of standing. Uh, basketball, judo, wrestling, boxing, they all have a type of base where you root yourself into the ground and you allow the upper body to do whatever the movement situation requires while having a very good balance that allow you to to not collapse and to not lose balance. And we have a drill for that. Again, we played in the same format. It's all like very playful, very like yeah dance style and it was cool to, i mean the one that you did with us uh you had a partner hold the ball and we had to move around our body and it was cool seeing how uh at certain points i thought i'm gonna fall and i can't do this but then when we go back again i could realize oh i could just shift my weight a little bit and i could reach all the way to the back mm-hmm. um which was cool it's just like more dexterity which yeah. I'm sure applies to every sport yeah you know i was actually gonna ask you about that one um have you ever done push hands like uh I've I never done it, hands. but I have seen it, and it looks very interesting. Yeah, because yeah, it, it seems like the same principle. Like, I've, I've done Qigong and Tai Chi for a long time, but it's really hard to tell when you're actually rooted if you're just standing and doing a form by yourself. Mm-hmm. When someone's pushing on you, it becomes very clear. You know, yeah. either they push you easily or they don't push you easily. And actually, something I've been doing here in quarantine on the beach is I've been doing Tai Chi forms with my feet in the ocean, and I was shocked at how easily the waves would, like, make me move my feet. Like, I thought I was rooted because it's easy when you're on dry land. But when the waves come, I would I immediately lose my footing. But I've been working on it, and now I can go all the way in the ocean up to my neck, and I can stay <laughs> for a little bit, you know, without losing my feet. And uh, I was thinking the same same principle, it seems, like to actually be on the ground um, with, uh, what's the word, um, unpredictable stimuli. And, yeah. 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 No, clearly, like... Uh... The first two layers in, in, in the syllabus is really the solo practice. But the solo practice doesn't mean nothing. Uh, like, life really happens when you start interacting with other people. Mm. You know, this is where the true, the true creativity, the true, um, yeah, just this is where life happens, really, uh, when you're responding to something. Yeah. Because you can practice all you want by yourself, and then you, it's, it's showtime, you want to step and do the game, and now you can't apply anything you know, because you don't control anything anymore like mm-hmm. before you know? so this is the third layer which i call the communication where we are you know where my movement is a response to your movement is a, is a response to my movement and we're creating this dialogue you know mm-hmm. like like jujitsu jujitsu is a dialogue you know? it's a language where we are having a debate in some sort you know? yeah that's one th- i got so excited about this idea because 
I've never found a strength training protocol that doesn't take away from jujitsu a little bit. Like I got into kettlebells because it's way better than what I was doing before. Yeah. But still, like at certain angles, my spine doesn't work well or I'm weak. I, I have to tap in certain positions. And like I could see how doing this over time, every angle I should be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to drain me or, you know, stress my spine or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is really what it's meant to be. Like, um, this, this, the corner of the uh, the the four corner practice is um, what I call the first layer, which is the physical potential. Mm-hmm. This is, by the way, nothing like extraordinary. It's not going to make you superhuman. It's actually going to make you just human, like mm-hmm. an actual mm-hmm. <laughs> mobile, pain free, yeah. resilient human. You know. On top of that, you can add all you want. You can add weightlifting if you want. You can add um, kettlebells, which I believe kettlebells are pretty good. Actually, I really enjoy them. Um, but this is more meant the, the 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 general training. What what we call today fitness, you know, which doesn't really give us the real fitness. Mm-hmm. This is meant to be uh, giving us the fitness because fitness for me means to be adaptable in every situation. It doesn't mean just to be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, it means to be soft at the right time, flexible at the right time, uh, resilient, but strong enough at the right time. Strong enough, yeah? not just strong, strong. So it's it's where it starts, yeah, and then it depends where you take it from there. Yeah, I want to ask you about your background, but actually, just so we complete the four corners, can you speak about the fourth. Yeah, the fourth corner is traction. So if you again, if if I start at the beginning, imagine that child that that is kind of like connected to the ground. It cannot leave the ground without help, and it earns the right to. You know, roll around, eventually sit up, stand up, walk around, and then it will actually leave the ground and it will climb stuff. You know, you just have to take a kid to a playground and they immediately climb stuff. Mm-hmm. And they climb stuff all the time. So this is, again, something very, like, in us, you know, like, in- inherent in us. Um, so the fourth corner is all about traction. What happens when I'm, when I'm holding on to an object or a person when I'm climbing, hanging, clinching in a way where uh, I can lift the ground and I can really hold on to something. And there's an entire vocabulary to that. And one way we do that is with the ring flow or the ring drill. We take a ring, we put it about chest level, chest height. The feet are connected to the ground. You have to hold the ring at least with one hand. You can hold them with both if you want, depending on your strength level. And then again, we're creating a dance with it, creating a flow. You, you're free to move. You can put more weight into the ground or less, more weight into the ring. You can choose. And again, you go through this exploration by yourself and you are starting to discover the vocabulary there is. You will really understand how your shoulder moves. Uh, you know, you really understand the path of the joint and you will honor the path of the joint because, okay, it's like, oh, it doesn't want to go that way. Or, or here I'm very vulnerable. You know, it's maybe mm-hmm. not a smart idea to go there. And uh, you can really re-educate your brain uh, in how, how the body was designed to move. Something that you cannot really get when you do this closed kinetic chain exercise where you're holding onto a bar and just banging out pull-ups. You know? mm-hmm. You need this asymmetry. You need this unpredictability. You need this, uh, yeah, it's, you cannot get this from a very controlled and organized practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the one where I really noticed the imbalances in my 
mm-hmm. my mobility. And I, I could see, you know, obviously work the muscles of the shoulder girdle, but uh, I didn't feel tight. I didn't feel like I needed to stretch afterwards, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So just these the four things you showed us last Friday, I've been doing them, you know, like eight minutes a day nice. as a warm up, and it's actually made my kettlebell training seem a lot easier and less uh, less uh, less tight afterwards, actually. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So how'd you get into all of this? You grew up in Croatia. Somehow you ended up here. <laughs> what happened in between? Uh, I was born in Croatia. I lived there first four years, then moved to Switzerland. Mm. And uh, I was swimming semi-professionally, and when I retired, I I just needed something physical, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of physical practice, and then went on the journey of trying all kinds of different sports. And how old were you when you retired? Twenty-two. Mm-hmm. How old are you now? Thirty. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I I liked everything a bit, but nothing really um, made me stay and like, oh, I want to like now compete in the sport or like really get into that. And then shortly after that, the, the, the movement culture appeared with Ida Portal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he introduced this idea of, you know, us as humans, we are generalists and we, uh, we thrive and we know many things. And mm-hmm. we're actually made to be able to do a lot of things and not just specialize on one. And I really fell in love with this idea of, um, you know, being physically free, physical freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying about... Um the generalist things, when I was talking about the four circuits from like a neural perspective, uh, a lot of the, everything was saying about how when we're babies, we could learn any language, we can learn any sport, we can specialize in any kind of movement. But then after time, after seven or so, we have to specialize in our mother tongue and our whatever, like uh, our environment has its due all the time. Um, but there, a lot is lost when we try to get good at one thing or something and mm-hmm. whether it's injuries or just being boxed into a certain kind of body mm-hmm. so it's really interesting uh seeing like these parallels that's why i got so fascinated about it uh wait so what actually like where what, how did you end up in thailand um so back home in switzerland when i like was was so passionately researching this this, this movement thing. Uh, I had my own gym, like like a garage. We got a big garage. Uh, it's the same size as the dojo we had, like a hundred square. And uh, with a bunch of friends, we were, we like bought all kinds of stuff and mats and rings and this and that. And uh, we were like teaching each other and giving like classes once a week. You know, like like a hobby you know, mm-hmm. on the side. And when I traveled to Thailand in 2014 and I came to Kopangan, I was like, wow. You came to Thailand and you are like, this is the place. Yeah, this is yeah. the place. People are open for it. People are looking and seeking for this physical, spiritual, mental freedom. And I felt like, well, I have to plant my seed here. Mm-hmm. And then like a few, days, a few years later, I came and... Um, yeah. You started last year, right? I start. I opened 2018. Okay. I opened 2018 in June. Gotcha. Yeah, it's funny because I came here last year for the first time. I love it here. It's amazing. But I, I needed to do jujitsu or something. Strength training. I was like, there's no way this hippie island has jujitsu. So I was like, I'm going to go to Chiang Mai. Yeah. But then last time I was here, I, I randomly passed by here right before uh, before I left. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, nice. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm glad you found us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was actually just going to the 360 bar, the 365 bar, and it happened to <laughs> okay. see it. Accidentally. Yeah. Nice. Um, but you were just saying, um, 
you're talking about capoeira and jujitsu as like the two things that intrigued you or yeah. the two yeah um yeah when i was um looking at movement i i, I was looking for the two two these two movement arts kind of sticked out to me it was capoeira and jujitsu because they had such uh, such a broad vocabulary and such a broad freedom of of the things you are allowed to do you know like capoeira was more about uh, momentum understanding momentum mm -hmm. and because you can like flip and move and go high go low and you can like just add sequence after sequence and move after move and felt like this this infinite improvisation and jujitsu was the same but was more combat related mm -hmm. you know so it was actually like hands-on and you know you're solving <laughs> problems actual problems and i was like wow i want to practice these two um so this is how we started and then with the movement foundation came uh came into existence because i wanted to see i wanted to know how i can get someone from zero to be able to have the potential to to be comfortable within these two disciplines and not to be uh you know battling with injuries and being concerned mm -hmm. over the knees and shoulders and this and that and this is how i then started to identify um you know what are the spheres like what are the playing fields what are the mechanisms that are supporting these disciplines like what do you what are the basics that you need to be able to do just in order to play you know and um yeah that that approach really helped me um break things down and, and create a system actually a, a language a movement language hmm. yeah, it's really fascinating because uh I mean, I've met some of your students. You've only been training with you for like a month or something, and they're they're already tapping people. And like, obviously, they're strong. And like, but it's like, uh, there's something you're doing with this movement stuff that's like really uh, shortening the learning curve, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I even remember in high school wrestling, there's some guys who maybe couldn't do a backbend, and they just assumed, oh, you can never be good at wrestling. But maybe if they learned some fundamentals, they could actually do it. It's kind of just like, oh, you can't, you can't bend, you can't touch your toes, you're gone. Yeah, and no one ever addressed that maybe you can learn to touch your toes or move your body. However, yeah, uh, so it's really cool. Yeah. And was this just uh, trial and error for you? Well, trial and error, and a lot of experimentation. Mm -hmm. Like um, I always love to experiment. Um, I whenever I see something that catches my attention, I I really dig into it and I really look at it and try to, and then I test it. You know, I teach foundation every day for two years straight now. And so I get the chance to like really bring in new material and try new stuff. And that really helped me um, gain an understanding uh, how things work and how to break things down. And by the way, I have to also give credit to uh, Stas and Alpha Gravity. Alpha Gravity made a big, big jump mm. in my understanding how the body works, you know, because um, understanding the body upside down, you know, like inverting uh, like ch changing the direction of gravity really gives you an understanding on the the joints you know mm. how the joints favor to move if you let them to go how they want to go you can really understand that mm. and that's like an update to the brain and once you have that it makes everything different yeah so for those who don't know if you can actually hear a russian accent in the background uh, there's an alpha gravity class going on uh, and it's you basically hang from your feet, and I actually don't know exactly what he does. So alpha gravity is a system where you can, for your entire body or for uh, some parts of your body, you can change the direction of gravity. 
So we are working with finger loops and shoes. And uh, for example, I'm laying on the ground and I can hook my two legs into two ropes. So they're maybe at this height where the rest of my body is lying down. Hmm. So for my hips towards my feet, it feels like the gravity goes the other way. Mm -hmm. So they can be pulled out. Mm -hmm. And then when you start to rotate your foot and your leg, um, you you know, there's a, suddenly so much less resistance, you know, mm. and when you pull your knee to you, you, you kind of notice that the knee travels to, you know, out, you know, so it kind of abducts at the same time as you, uh, as the hip flexes, and when you spend enough time doing that, you really recondition yourself in understanding of, um, yeah, how your joints want to be moved, actually, mm. you know? and you can do the same thing for your upper body, hanging from your arms, or only one arm, or only one leg, or hanging upside down all the way, you know, or only your neck. And yeah, this experience is very valuable mm. because not only do you gain that new understanding, but you also clean up a lot of uh, like mobility issues. You clean up all, all that fuzz that has accumulated over time from improper practice or, or like lazy lifestyle or, you know, um, all these things. So... Alpha gravity is for me a healing practice. You know, it mm. can really reset your body and uh, you know, set you in a process of of, of 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 fixing things that you thought cannot be fixed. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. It reminds me of um, I had a physics teacher who was saying that when you go into space, uh, people's arms automatically do this. Like there's certain shapes your limbs will just go in. And there's no gravity, uh -huh. and it was interesting that uh, like this movement is kind of like a basic tai chi form. Like somehow the ancient Chinese figured this out, but this is what your body goes to when it's floating mm -hmm. or anything. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure same principle. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's some natural things that the body just like same in in water, you know. When yeah, you, when you're mm -hmm. just like walking through water, chest chest level, the arms float up too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, very interesting. And uh, you just met Stas here, was it? A yeah, I met Stas here like a year ago. Mm -hmm. He just came and he introduced me to that, and it immediately caught my attention. And then when I tried it, I was like, "Wow, this is this is something else. This is something I never experienced." Because it allows you this no form movement. You mm -hmm. know, like everywhere you go, there are certain forms. Like yoga has certain forms that you have to to uh, to assume when you're practicing. It's the same boxing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this is really a no-form practice. Like there is no right or wrong. You just follow your intuition, and you will not. You will notice when something is is wrong or it does it hurts your body, mm -hmm. and that's valuable you know, because it gives you the ultimate freedom. So yeah, a practice with enormous potential, very unknown still, um, very young. But uh, enormous potential. Yeah. yeah, this formlessness as a theme is interesting because, like in martial arts, martial arts has obviously evolved like incredibly since like UFC and mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. But you see a lot more fighters who don't really have a form anymore because every every style has something that is exposed. Even wrestling and boxing, yes, yes. Muay Thai. Like you see, like guys like Israel Adesanya who kind of have a karate style, but he kind of just does anything. Yeah, and it's uh, as effective as any any hard stance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, I think once you like really put things together, and this is what happens, I guess, with also with the movement culture now, you really just look for what is efficient and what is not. You, know? mm -hmm. you leave dogma behind, yeah, and you just go for what works, you know, mm -hmm. and what works well and what doesn't. You, know? mm -hmm. you can really, yeah, it's interesting times in so many ways. Yeah, have you ever done parkour? 
just just tried it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's another thing I've wanted to check out, but I didn't really know how to start. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe one day, maybe one of them. Yeah. Well, you see that if you do the four corners, it's already preparing for it. Yeah. Of course, the the parkour, the the discipline has its own skill that you need to practice. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the four corners will always um, give you the potential to be able to do it. <laughs> Just adding that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so is there anything that you are, is like new for you that you're exploring in your own movement, uh, stuff that you're experimenting with now? Uh, yes. I'm very interested in understanding motivation and, uh, what makes us do certain things. Um, hmm. I lately came to understanding that a lot of it has to do with the stuff that we're looking at, you know, like, um, in like all the the practices that impress me you always kind of has have some kind of target you know that you are aware of and I, it's an even more complex discipline where the target can move so sorry uh, just mosquito time <laughs> so i noticed that movement is usually created from your head and eyes following some kind of target mm-hmm. and then the body just behaves in a way that that you can either you know catch destroy or get to the target you know mm-hmm. similar to a predator catching its prey you know i mean these practices are all over like you know in tennis you have the, looking at the ball mm-hmm. in boxing you are aiming at the head without trying to get hit you and um, when i introduced you to this all these tennis ball mm-hmm. things you know there is this uh, there's this component where you were being focused on a target you forget about everything else and it seems like that the movement takes over by itself mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm trying to find this now everywhere you know have you heard of the book inner game of tennis no it's i think you'd find it fascinating it's a very short book it's like 90 pages but it was by this tennis pro who was realizing that teaching tennis skills don't work like it gets mm. people in their head like how do i put my feet and hit the racket yes, but if you yes. notice if you had people focus on things like how the ball is spinning they naturally find the perfect wow. uh, when they don't think about their stance they find the perfect stance uh, i think it's but maybe you oh man i need to read yeah. this yeah, yeah. You, you, i might actually have, have this... it with me i have to check i brought a few books with me oh, i'll see maybe. if i have it i'll lend it to you yeah, yeah. cool oh, uh, so cool yeah. yeah cool man uh this has been awesome is there anything any last thoughts you want to share about movement um actually if, please share how people can find your work and your gym um yeah uh our gym is called momentum mixed movement arts uh in Kovangan, thailand um momentum pangan on instagram momentum. and you have a youtube channel on that too right now we have a youtube channel mm-hmm. where, where we introduce some of the some of the concepts that we're using some of them are known some of them are unknown yet um, but you, of course, it's best experience if you get the chance to come and practice with us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I want to encourage people if they're looking for help and uh, for a good practice that look for disciplines that include another human being. You know? you, it should you it should come out of a interaction, out of a dialogue with someone else, because. You can practice, you can self-practice all you want. It never really um, will give you that that satisfaction that that you get when when you are interacting with someone. And it can be anything. It could be a dance. It could be a fight. It could be a, a game of, of whatever, you know, ping pong, 
Um, there's this component of, of this something that is unpredictable that is responding to whatever you're doing that uh, makes it so much more interesting. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, thanks, man. It's been super awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.